Hello listeners, this is Dr. J again, here with another episode of Real Women in Conversation. Today, we have uh, two guests, not all women, I'll tell you, we have one man in the mix. We have uh, Mr. Clifford Harris and his wife, Mrs. Freddie Harris. You may remember that uh, Freddie spoke to us several episodes ago on coping with lupus. She's back today so that she and her husband can talk about a program that they co-founded called Drug Alternative Program. And Cliff is first going to give us some background on how he came to be interested in developing a program to help uh, drug and alcohol addicts. Cliff. Um, Warren, I just want to give a little background of myself. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I never was raised in a home where there was uh, a, a dysfunctional family. Um, my father took care of us, that kind of thing. But um, <clears throat> as a teenager, uh, not a little, I was, I didn't start using drugs until I was married and had children. And I always ran with a group of guys who when they started smoking marijuana, I was upset with them. Why are you doing smoking all this, this drugs? You know, because I never did smoke, drink, or do any of those things as a teenager. I wasn't raised that way. My father never drank, smoked, did any of that okay. in the home. <clears throat> and um, I wanted to be part of, so I wanted to be part of this group, and I wanted to be accepted in this group. Let me ask you then, how did you go from admonishing them about drug use to now wanting to participate in Because I use? had to either separate myself from them or be part of this group. I couldn't change the group, right. so I wanted to be part of them and have these friends, so I started smoking the weed with them. And then it went from marijuana, it went to heroin. Uh, I can remember the young man who, when we started shooting shooting the heroin, I would never shoot myself. I would never do the, the needle myself. He would, I would have him do it. Then I learned how to do it for myself. So I've got two marks on both of my arms that'll be there the rest of my life to show me, you know, what I used to be and what I used to do. Um, I was a drug addict uh, when I was married. I lived a double life. I had a family over here. I had two women on the streets who I was, who was, I was a pimp. Mm. I did all of that <clears throat> and had children mm. and a home over here. How did you justify that in your mind, that double life? Well, the more when you start doing drugs, you can't justify it. Um, you know that you're doing wrong, but it takes that power, that drug overpowers you. Um, I had gotten to the point where I was doing as much as $150 a day of heroin. And can we give them a time frame, because $150, relatively speaking, when you do it first doing drugs, what was the, the years? For the years? Right. Oh, this was 20 years of my life. Okay, 20, about 20 years ago? Yeah, no, 20 more. years of doing drugs in my life. When did you start? I was about 21 when I started. 
I didn't stop until I was 20, 42. Mm -hmm. I didn't change my life till I was 42 And would you mind telling us how old you are now? I'll be 80. Oh. My next birthday. Fantastic. Yeah. So we're, we're talking, uh, for, let's say 40 years ago. So when you talk $150 then, so we're talking three, four, five hundred $500 now of, of the, the yeah. kinds of the amount of drugs. I just want to give them a perspective mm -hmm. on that. Okay, so you're doing that amount of drugs, and then uh, what else happens? Well, as far as, as my drug life go, I lost family. I lost my home. I've been in the Colorado State Penitentiary twice, in and out of jails all my life. Um, I stole from my kids, stole from my ex-wife. I even gave my ex-wife a disease, a sexual disease, and blamed her. You didn't get it from me. You got it out there. You were one who was messing around. But in all of this, the second time, I mean, that's a lot in that story, in that period of life. I'm just throwing out some things of what I did. Mm -hmm. um, I did some things, especially to my children that, you know, they were young and because of the drugs, I... So you weren't the kind of parent that you wish you had been? Yes, I wasn't raised that way. I knew all of this was wrong, but it just overpowered everything. Let me say to the listeners that uh, Mr. Harris has a book called Death Dance where he details a lot of this information. So I know that your parents, your, your mother and father, were very devout uh, Christians. Yes. And they raised you in a very strict Christian home. Yes. So I can't say that it was strict. Okay. I didn't have a home that it was, you know, you couldn't move or, you know, right. wasn't strict. It was... I had a happy childhood. Very good. Um, I, my family, my you know, my immediate family, cousins and uncles, and all of me, all of us were Christians. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that kind of family street thing. Right. Everybody on both sides of my family were Christians. Right. The whole family, mama and daddy. So, so it was just the friends then. Yeah, that I stepped chose, out. You chose to have. And chose to go out into that world. Okay. But after I got out the, the first, the second time, I, let, me, let me say this. I've been arrested in Colorado, Florida, New York, Texas, Ohio. I've been arrested in just the Denver area over 40 times. And this is all from drug use. All from drug use. All from stealing to support your drug yes. use. And see, to I was, I was, see, I'm a brick mason by trade. My mm -hmm. father taught us the brick mason trade and stopped working, start stealing every day. That was my job. But <clears throat> after I did the second time, my second stench in the Colorado State Penitentiary, I really looked at myself and I, I went to the prison library and the only reason why I went in there would go in there because there was a woman in there. And I wanted to see the woman. See, in prison back in those days, you didn't have women as guards. Mm -hmm. And she was ugly, but she was a woman. <laughs> and I wanted to see her, right. just to see the woman. 
But I found this book in there called The Desire of Ages. Mm -hmm. And I knew what the book was. I knew it was a book on the life of Jesus Christ. That's and you all knew it that was. from your upbringing. I knew that book from my upbringing. Mm -hmm. Brought, checked the book out, brought it back to myself. Never opened the book. Never read the book. But it sat on my desk mm -hmm. in, on, in, in my jail cell. But I never opened it. But the book had an impact upon my life. Because I got to looking at, man, I wish I was at church now. Mm. Going to church, who's the pastor at the church? Looking at all of this stuff, and I said to myself, when I get out of here, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go sit down on the pew in church. So then thinking about the way you were raised, the impact of the church on your life, now was brought back to you by seeing yes. this book, Desire of Ages. Yes. Okay. And when I got out, I stole from a sister mm -hmm. and her husband. And so when you get out of prison, they want to know where you're going, who you're going to stay with, you know, you're on parole. Mm -hmm. So I called my sister and my niece answered the phone because my family didn't know where I was. Mm -hmm. I didn't let them know. And my niece answered the phone and I said, I want to speak to your mama. And my sister came on the phone and you know the first thing she said to me? What? I love you. No matter what you've done. No matter what, I love you. That's a true sister. True sister. Wasn't a codependent sister or a codependent family. I didn't come from that. They wouldn't get involved with my, my drug use. Mm -hmm. My but life. they knew about it. But they knew. Right. But uh, when I got out, I went to her and um, moved, stayed with her and her husband, and they were going to church. And so they were on their way to church, and she said to me, she says, Clifford, you going to church? I said, no, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go over there because them people are going to be asking me where I've been and what I've been doing, and I don't want to hear none of that. And she walked out of the door. She didn't counsel me, didn't say nothing. Her and her husband just left. And I don't care what you say, what nobody says. I believe, I know, Jesus came to me. It wasn't a voice that I heard, it was from within. Clifford, I have watched over you. I have been there for you. I have taken care of you. Now is your chance to go. Now if you don't do this, if you don't go, you're gonna die. So you felt Jesus' presence from within. Yes. And they said yes. this to you as your sister went to church. And I made a decision. I got up right then and I walked to church. <laughs> I did. <laughs> And I'm still in the same environment in Denver, mm -hmm. where I knew all the drug dealers, I knew all where I could go and do all these things. But you chose not to. I chose not to. I'm going to church. Now let me, because I, I, I read the book, you did indicate that every time you got out of jail before, you were already plotting about how you're going to get drugs and, and where you're going to yeah. go, etc. What made this time different for you? Just the, the, uh, this feeling of Jesus within? I was just tired of the life. Okay. Okay. I was tired of the judges. I was tired of the police. I was tired of the streets. You know, just, I'm coming to my senses. 
You know, it's like the prodigal son. I know where to go. This life isn't nothing. And I go here and I can change it. So that's what I did. So you went to church. And I've been going ever since. But one thing when I went to church, <laughs> this was one thing I decided. Okay. That I knew women that I could go to, you know, when you get out of prison, mm -hmm. what's the first thing you want to You want to have sex. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I knew if I got involved with any woman, mm -hmm. that would take me off track. Mm -hmm. uh, would take me... So you had set a course for yourself. You set a set of course, and you wanted to stay on it. Yep, I'm uh, not getting involved with no women. Anything that took you off that path. That's it. Because I knew women, I could just go to and say, "Come on, girl, let's go, let's get down. Thank you, and I'll see you later." Right. You know. But I, I knew better than that. So when I went to church, I wasn't going to get even involved with a female. Period. Okay. Not to get off track. That's a big commitment. Yep. And um, I had been going to church for about mm, four weeks, three weeks. And um, my son and I were standing in the Jeffrey at that time. He was about 20, 21, something like that. Jeffrey was young. Mm -hmm. And we were standing in the lobby of the Denver Park Hill Church. And all of a sudden, here comes this girl, comes right up and speaks to Jeffrey, and all I saw was her face. Mm -hmm. That's all I saw. See, because I'm the type of woman, when I see a woman, it's like, I'm looking all over your you're, body. You're checking it out. I'm checking, checking you out. out sexually. Right. You know? Right. But I didn't, I didn't do that. All I saw was his face. Mm -hmm. And in this face, I saw all this peace and joy. And I looked at her and it she was walked away. from her. Yes. And she kissed Jeffrey on her cheek, on, on his cheek. Mm -hmm. And she walked away. And I said to Jeffrey, I says, who is that? She didn't even acknowledge your presence. Not nothing. <laughs> and I'm just standing there. Mm -hmm. And she walked away. And I said to my son, I said, Jeffrey, who is that? Now, I would have already made a decision. I'm not getting involved with no female, exactly, right? Exactly. But when I see this one, uh -huh. I mean, it It was like the Holy Spirit was telling me she's the one. Ah, okay. So this this was no ordinary uh, meeting. Mm -hmm. No, because... So this, this was kind of God-ordained. Thank you. Okay. And he said that, well, um, he said, that's Freddie, Daddy. You want to meet her? I said, no, no, not right now. I didn't say no more. So I went, when I went to my, I was still staying with my sister. And I asked my sister for her phone number. My sister said, you don't want to meet her. She got three bad kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't think nothing of the kids. That wasn't a problem for me because I love children anyway. And, and you had three. Yeah, I had three. And then I asked Jeffrey, my son, for the phone number. And he said, oh, Daddy, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. I don't need none of y'all. When I go back to church, I'll handle it myself. Okay. 
And so when I went back to church, she wasn't there that next week. <laughs> so Freddie, you take it from there. I had gone to another church, but uh, when I got home, we were, the kids and I, we wanted to go back to the evening meeting, you know. Mm -hmm. So when I went back and I saw Cliff, and all of a sudden he just like, you know, really impressed me. And he was standing in the corner and I was standing, and he was just staring at me, and I could just really Wait a minute, feel. Freddie, let me, let me say this part to the audience. <laughs> I was standing against the wall, and she was talking to another guy, and her back was to me, and I just kept looking at her, at her back, and I said, yeah, I know you know I'm here, and I'm going to keep watching you. Yes. And I felt his eyes in my back, and I just turned around and walked to him. I said, hi. And I said, Hi. <laughs> And I said to her, I says, you know what? I says, he was my next words to her. I uh, says, I'm looking for a Christian friend. I says, how would you like to be that friend? I said, I think I would like that. I, I said, but in sweet. order for us to be friends, I said, we got to get to know one another. What's your phone number? <laughs> Where you live? So we exchanged phone uh, numbers. Okay, Freddie, you fell for that line. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't a line. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, because but, I never... That was my way of approaching women. I didn't okay. have that. You're a bit more assertive yes. than other women. Okay. But, but, but you, you went for it. Yes, because, you know, I had, well, see what happened. I had spent a year with the Lord, and I decided that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to look for a husband. I just want to really get to the know, know the Lord. And we had an intense relationship for a whole year. Mm -hmm. And see, Cliff was in prison for a whole year. Mm -hmm. So after that year, the Lord put him in my life and put us together, you know, because he, when he met me, we made a date that Saturday night, he came over and he brought me one red rose. Okay. And when he handed me that rose, the Holy Spirit impressed me, he's the one. Mm. Not knowing that he had impressed him that I was the one. So we both had these revelations. We both had the revelations okay. and we made a date, a date to see each other. I went to his the house. Next day. The next day, I went to mm -hmm. his house and he sat down on one end of the couch, I sat down on the other end of the couch he told me all about his drug life and everything, you know. And just, I, just off the bat. Off the bat. And I've never done drugs. The reason drugs. why I did that, because, see, all those people at the church knew me from, they knew me from way back. Right. See, and she was the Bible worker for the church. Oh, okay. So they were going to tell her anyway. Yeah, right. they, she's going to find out about it. So I'm like, you need to hear it from me. Okay. So and he, so he, I told her I've been a drug addict all my life. I've stole, I've lied, I've cheated. I just got out of prison. And she looked over at me, and she says, is that all? And I said, I said to myself, this girl got to be crazy. And I said to her, I said, will you marry me? And would you believe on I said, first date? on the first date? And I said, yes. But the Lord had impressed me already that he, when he gave me that one red rose, he said he's the one. The night before. The night before. So I knew out of my relationship with God that that's the man that he had chosen for me. So that's why I said, is that all? Yeah. And okay. we went from there. And when she said yes, I kissed her. And we've been kissing ever since. Ever since. For 34 <laughs> years. For how many, 34 years. For 34 years. <laughs> and that was a powerful rose, man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. And you know the roses on all our trucks. Right, Sitting that's our right. trademark right. for our marriage. Right. Well, now that you talk about trucks, that gets us to the next phase, which is the drug alternative program that you guys developed based on Cliff's desire now to use his experience to help others. So can you tell us a bit about your program? Well, um, we started our, our 
a bricklaying business at first. And then yeah. Cliff said, honey, I'm tired of laying bricks. I want to help build lives. And that's when we started Drug Alternative Program. And we started out as a support group, but then the Lord impressed us, you need to do more. So we opened up our first recovery home. So we had a, we had a business in California for 32 years. We had a 12 to 18 month recovery home for men. This is a residential. Residential program. So we moved to Alabama thinking we were gonna semi-retire and just have like a support group or help the church with the codependence. But last year, the Lord impressed us that he wants us to have a recovery home here. So in May, we opened up a 12 to 18 month program here in Huntsville on Meridian Street near A&M, your alma mater. And uh, we have seven guys and it's full already. It's full already. And this is what we're doing here in Alabama. Let me ask you about the elements of your program. Because I read, and this is earlier, your book is uh, 1999, and you mm-hmm. said you had like a 50% success rate. Right. First, that it's all men mm-hmm. that lives in this residential home. I know that they you have a, a landscaping business right. that they use to support themselves. But there are other elements where you lead them to Jesus right. as the alternative to the drugs. Can you tell right. us a bit about that? You know, that? our program is set up like everyday living. These okay. guys, they get up in the morning, we have worship, they go to work, they come back home, and they're self-sufficient. They do all the cooking and cleaning. And then we have our therapy sessions in the evening. They have one-on-one therapy, they have group therapy. But we tell them it's not just about getting off drugs. We want to lead you to Jesus Christ and help you to build a relationship with him so you'll have a permanent life with him. So uh, we have a Bible study on Wednesday nights. We go to church on, on Sabbath. And it's like everyday living. And we tell the guys, if you f- follow this pattern, you know, and continue to have Jesus in your life and get over the drugs of what you're doing, you'll be successful. And the guys who have finished the 12 to 18 month program, we do have a su- success rate of, you know, 50 to 65 percent. That's excellent. Now, how did you decide that it was only going to be men? And then how does a person apply to this program if they're interested in participating? Well, Cliff said, being a male, I can't have a female place because he he, he said, they would say, Mr. Harris seduced me, uh-huh. you know, and that would be the end. And I've never done drugs. I couldn't run a women's recovery home. Right. So that's why we decided to stick with men. Okay. And uh, we have a, a website, drugalternativeprogram.org. And uh, it gives you all the information on the program, and uh, but it's a it's a total commitment. We are totally drug free. We don't have coffee, cigarettes, no drugs. We and we have a vegetarian diet. So we're teaching them not only getting off drugs but health principles, and then our work therapy program, which is the lawn business. So it is a total remaking of the person from the inside out. Right. That's, right. that's excellent. Mm-hmm. Do you get any uh, dropouts, people who can't complete the program? We do. And we turn no one away okay. who has no funds, you know, and we get people, you know, from the courts. But most of our people are volunteers. They hear about us speaking engagements are online or through, you know, members. Mm-hmm. So that's how we get our, you know, clients. They have to be serious mm-hmm. about changing their life. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't do this for your mother, mm-hmm. you can't do this for your wife or your children. This has got to be you, mm-hmm. your life. See, me being an addict, so I know the games we play, I know the lies we tell, you know, and I know the manipulation. So they can't sneak anything. No, don't, you. don't, don't try to manipulate me or, or tell me that stuff. I've done some things you haven't thought of doing. Mm-hmm. 
You know, there's stuff in my book. There are things I've done in my life that I couldn't even put in the book. Mm-hmm. I, and I you put a lot of, of, of information it's, in the book. It's, it's there. I, I, I applaud you for being so open with your life and telling your story. And speaking of books, I also have a book called mm-hmm. Yours Truly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I write letters to God every day. And my friend said, you need to write a book and put some of these letters into <laughs> a book. And it's just a, a letters to God. It's a two-way conversation that we have. And I'm telling my life story, the good, the bad, and the ugly in this book. It's just my journey in building my relationship with God. You know, Warren, you were talking about, you know, there's certain kind of women or young women that listen to your mm-hmm. broadcast or your, your program, your broadcast or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially you get young women that ask you questions mm-hmm. about life and men and what, right. you know how they should handle themselves. Um, me being in that world of the streets mm-hmm. and we as males, the male is always the aggressor. We are the aggressor. Mm-hmm. We are the ones that go forward after that. And I want to say to young women, if the man does not respect you and doesn't treat you right and the first thing is he wants to have sex or he that's his focus, that's not what it's all about. That's not the man you want in your life. Because I I know how to do that. I've done that, you know, to manipulate women and and whatnot in my life. Well, you know, Cliff and I, although we've been married before, we made a commitment that we were going to have a platonic relationship and not have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. And we kept that commitment. It wasn't easy, but we kept that commitment. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would tell these young uh, young girls, you know. I, I have a, a support group of ladies. And I tell them, once you have sex with the guy, you're common just like all the rest of them. So keep your body, you know, have that kind of relationship. And it pays off, you know, in big dividends. Now I've said this more than once. Uh, for anybody who knows my brother, they know that you know he was he's a, a guy and he goes after mm-hmm. the women and he's very popular and he's a very good uh, gentleman. Mm-hmm. But uh, with in high school, of course, he was as many pursuits as he could do. Right. He was trying to do that. But I was telling people that one thing he said to me uh, while we were still teenagers, he came to my room one day, just laid down across my bed, and said don't have sex with just anybody. That's as close as you're mm-hmm. ever going to be to anybody. Mm-hmm. So save it for someone that's very special to Amen. you. And this came from an aggressive male mm-hmm. who's out there pursuing the like I'm saying day. the same and thing. And it means the same, right? Yes. Even these days that uh, uh, we have to guard uh, you know, ourselves yes. and not just give ourselves to anybody. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you one more my, uh, question, uh, Mr. Harris. And that is, about, Cliff, well, Cliff, <laughs> that is about like today. Today we're legalizing marijuana all over the place. Now in your story, it seems as if marijuana was a gateway drug to heroin and cocaine. How do you feel about the legalization of marijuana today? I feel it's wrong because I know it is it. the gateway. Okay. It really is. And the only reason why they're saying legalizing it mm-hmm. 
government is figuring out a way that they can make money from it, just like they did with alcohol back in Prohibition time. Mm -hmm. We can have this alcohol, but we can control it, or we make sure that we make money off of it. So that's what it's all about, mm -hmm. you know. But we as human beings, as Christians, this is our body, not not yours. This is God's body, and He says, "Don't put anything in it to defile it." So that's what we have to do is make a decision in your life. What are you going to do? Your life is all about decisions. Mm -hmm. In life, we only got two decisions in life, Christ or Satan. Mm -hmm. Bottom line, there's no picket fence for you to straddle, female or male. Mm -hmm. Can you, you understand? No straddling. That point? No straddling. No straddling. Right. So we have to make a decision on one way or the other about what we're going to do about our bodies and how we're going to treat. Now, I want to say this one last thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not applauding myself, but the period that Freddie and I were going to get married, mm -hmm. well, it didn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. So it was put off, and I had made a decision, me. I was the one. I'm not having sex before I marry you. I meant that. Because that's what I did in my first marriage. And I was determined not to do the same thing. Here we were, just about to get married. And she's at my apartment, my place. And oh, we can have sex, we can do this, we're gonna get married soon. No, leave, get out of here, you go home. You have made the commitment. Yeah, I had put him. You get out, girl. You go away. Because I had to keep that. To stay on the path. Yes. Stay on the path that you set for yourself. And guess what? When we did get married, uh -huh. I'm not bragging. <laughs> All <laughs> night long, honey. <laughs> I think we better end on that. Yes, right? we need to end on that I, one. I appreciate you two coming by, talking about your backstory, talking about your relationship, and how you found each other in the church. Uh, talking about uh, what, what you're doing now in the community to keep people away from or get them off drugs and give them an alternative to that plan. Any psychologist will tell you that you don't break an old habit, you replace it with a new habit. That's it. So now you go from drugs to Jesus. Amen. Right? Excellent path. Amen. So thank you, Cliff and Freddie uh, Harris, for this today. So this is the end of this episode. I'm going to talk to Freddie for a few minutes about another topic in case you want to stay tuned. But we'll see you on the second of second Tuesday of every month at Real Women in Conversation. Thank you. I know you